Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And a very good Wednesday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme and there does seem to be an amount of confusion out there following the announcement yesterday from the government. New guidelines have been put in place and I really want to hear your thoughts and comments on them this morning. Over 70s told to limit their trips to shops, told to wear masks, even though in fairness I think all the over 70s have been really good about wearing the masks. Uh, The GAA are up in arms. They're calling for evidence as to why all sports events must move behind closed doors. We're also being told avoid public transport, work from home and work from home is the interesting one because many people would have returned to the office. Thousands of people have returned to the office in recent weeks. They've been now told to get out of the office and go back home and you have to stay there at least until September the 13th. Now the Taoiseach Micheál Martin he says the measures were part of the harsh reality that the virus is not going away but privately it seems some ministers very annoyed at what is now seen as the most draconian restrictions in Europe, that there's other countries across uh, Europe whose figures are much worse than they are here and yet they don't have as tough of restrictions as we've had here. Public transport is to be avoided where possible. Masks should be worn by anyone travelling in a vehicle with somebody who is not from their own household. Now in that, as we were, we're discussing amongst ourselves in the office this morning, does that mean when you're travelling in a taxi that you must wear a mask? We were going down to the Neffet recommendations to government, they actually went a step further. They had actually suggested that you shouldn't travel in a a vehicle with somebody who's not from your own household. The government decided not to go with that and instead what they decided to do was that they would put in place uh, this that everybody travelling in a vehicle with somebody from another household must wear a uh, mask. So we're just trying to get clarification. Does that mean all taxis? And I'm assuming the reason for that is to stop people, particularly in the meat plants that we know they live together, but we also know that they also uh, travel to and from the workplace and I suppose they were trying to stop them travelling together so they've come around it this way with the mass. Anyway, your thoughts welcomed, uh, please, because I know yesterday we had a lot of 
older people contact us in advance of what was announced yesterday because there had been rumour and speculation that older people might be asked to cocoon again. And that really caused a lot of anger amongst our listeners because, you know, many older people telling us that they sacrificed so much and they diligently followed all of the government advice, particularly during lockdown, particularly when they were asked to cocoon and they sacrificed seeing their families and they abided by all of the guidelines and they really did not, were not going to tolerate the notion of being asked to go into another lockdown. And Dempsey, the communications manager with Senior Line, uh, joins me this morning. Uh, Good morning to you, Anne. Good morning, Patricia. Now, uh, your initial reaction to what was announced yesterday from from the older people's point of view? Well, I suppose Groundhog Day. Um, as you said, Patricia, there was the uh, feeling all the day on the line that this was going to happen. There was a lot of conversation about it. And then after, when it was confirmed, um, I suppose a lot of our callers, Patricia, uh, there was definite, you know, this is ridiculous, you know, this is so hard, why is this happening to us? And as well as that, there was a kind of an acceptance that this, well, if it's needed, we'll do it. We did it before. I mean, there there was both sides. There was an understandable frustration, sadness, and then there's some feeling that, well, if we have to do it for the good, we did it before and we'll do it again, which is kind of a maturity of a lot yeah. of older people have, I think. Yeah, and I hate this idea that it's it's one age group being put up against another age group. It's it's more the, you know, the battle of the generations. Well, and that's unfortunate. No, no, I, and I don't really think that's accurate either because you could say it's the older people against the, the meat factories, it's older people against yeah. congregated settings. I mean, I think there's, there's most people are doing their best and there are very unfortunate incidents and I agree with you completely. I think there's no virtue at all in putting a generation against another. It's I was listening to Liveline yesterday in RT. A lot of young people were phoning saying, look, we're being tired with this brush. That's not fair. Yeah, yeah. You know. But Dr. Roland Glynn last night, you know, saying to older people, uh, yeah, you can go on your staycation, but don't stay at a hotel. I know. That's going to be hugely disappointing for people. Hugely. And I suppose one of the things that we are worried about as a national service, Patricia, is the fact that overall we notice a diminution in good emotional health among our callers. Calls are getting much more complex. People are on their own. They've time to think. They've time to worry. There's been, without sensationalising this, there's a bit of a stuff around people with suicide ideation. So it's, it, things are getting very serious for older people on their own. And anything, you know, anyone can do, and we're part of the solution, to support older people and reassure them and give them company and conversation, we will do. And are older people, Anne, feeling excluded from the COVID-19 conversation and decision-making process? It's a very good question. I think that began at the very beginning, at the end of, of March, uh, when older people, just the diktat went out, go home. There was no conversation, there was no discussion, there was no debate about how that would affect older people. There was no debate and there was no input expected or allowed from older people. And I think that's been really very poor. The message wasn't nuanced in any way. And I think that's contributed to kind of an ageism in society in that all older people are frail and vulnerable, which of course is not the truth. So I think your your question is very well observed and I think there's a real point to it. 
And as I mentioned when just before you came on, you know, during the lockdown, particularly when that awful word of cocooning, I know a lot of our oh, listeners hate that, hate the C word. Yeah, hate the C word. But they, you know, they diligently followed mm. all of the government uh, advice. Mm. And I'm assuming that's exactly what's going to happen again, because they're a generation that don't break rules. I think there's going to be a little flare of rebellion. Well, there- <laughs> I shouldn't be saying this, but I am, I'm not saying this from senior line because our callers last night were mainly resigned, you know, annoyed and resentful and resigned. <clears throat> but I just in general, the general populace, even anecdotally, I'm hearing people saying, look, I've done it. I'm not going to do it again. Now, I suppose it's. I shouldn't say that. I don't want to lead to any kind of irresponsibility. I know, I know. But I think it's acknowledging what may be some general feeling. Yeah. And then there is that whole thing of you've got very fit, active people who are over 70 who get very annoyed about the idea of being classed as vulnerable. Well, this is it. A huge amount of callers were phoning and saying, look, I'm a volunteer. I'm a doctor. I'm this, I'm that. They're not talking about me. One size does not fit all, you know. And I think that's our wider concern as well as an organisation promoting the value of older people is that it is, we are an ageing Ireland. We are an ageing country and we should be preparing more positively for ageing and seeing the contribution of older people, which is happening out there, rather than kind of marginalising them and regarding older people as not with a group with nothing to contribute. And are you seeing a lot of new callers and to senior line that never would have contacted you we before? We absolutely are. We're speaking to all our volunteers this morning and um, we have a lot of new issues are emerging. A lot of people, not necessarily COVID related, Patricia, I mean, just people who have maybe difficult marital situations. I'm not necessarily talking about violence here. Difficult marital situations, difficult family situations, difficult, you know, situations in their own lives. They're on their own. They've time to think. They're kind of in a limbo situation. And just and they sometimes can't talk about it to the family because the family is the very place where the problem is. So to be able to phone us and have an, an objective, compassionate place in which they will be listened is proving to be very, very useful. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And then Margaret, yeah. one of our listeners, says, I am in my 70s. What's all the fuss about cocooning? If it's going to save my life, I'll stay indoors for 12 months. I feel safe at home. I have good friends and families, good friends and family, and I don't feel like I'm being isolated at all. And that's terrific. That's, that's good for her. Absolutely and I think terrific. The, well done, Margaret. The important Margaret. thing about that is that is good friends and family. Yeah. Some of our callers are very isolated. They don't have that. They don't have that social support. That makes all the difference. We did some survey and found that good friends and family, a resilient attitude and a garden can help get you through this. Okay, and a final one, Patricia. Could you please ask Anne Dempsey from uh, Senior Line, when did cocooning stop? As I understood, the advice was always to continue cocooning, even when we were going through the different phases. I can't see a difference in what was announced last night versus the previous cocooning advice? I think the cocooning as, just, as about staying at home and not going beyond your gate stopped. I haven't the date in my mind Patricia. Was it about was it the 20th of, weeks ago? Was it the 20th of June or was it into July was when it started? I can't remember. Yeah, but, but it did end. It definitely began to ease because it was really reflected on the line. People were going outside. People were able to do their own shopping. I take your caller's point. It's, it's a kind of a it's not a huge it's, it's, it's a we're not being told to go behind closed doors anymore, but it is a diminution of what we had. Yeah. And also it affects our thinking and our feelings of, feeling of safety. OK. All right. Listen, Anne, a pleasure as always to talk to you. Can you I look, give you, you our number? Please Patricia? do. Please do. 1-800. So, <laughs> you give our number. No, no, go on. You go. 1-800. So it's free phone. 1800 
80 4591 and we're open every day from 10 till 10 and we'd love to hear from you. And you offer a fantastic service long may it continue and thanks for that uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks. Uh, bye bye that is uh, Anne Dempsey who is the communications manager with Senior Line. Some of your calls uh, coming in uh, following the announcement of the new restrictions uh, people are very annoyed can I say in the main the calls are coming in about the GAA matches and uh, people will now the outdoor gatherings have gone from 200 back down to 15 uh, and all sports will go behind closed doors and which which means people can't go to the matches and people by all accounts were really enjoying going to the matches. Tom in the city says um, I was fortunate enough to get to a couple of matches lately. There was absolutely no problems with the crowds and social distancing. Bossy says there are two off licences near where I live. They actually have signs up saying please drink sensibly and respect local residents. But he said that's not working because there's been numerous problems where I live near UCC. We have people who have serious drink problems in this country and they now have nowhere to go as AA meetings are not going ahead. I know they tried to do AA meetings online. I didn't realise that they're still not uh, going ahead. Tom says the only thing we were looking forward to is the matches and now they've taken that away from us. Also says Tom, he knows of pubs that are staying open till the small hours of the morning. That needs to be clamped down on. Tim wants to know who's running the country. Is it the government or is it now? Effort. Well, Neffert give the recommendations and then the government act on them. So the government will say it's them. And in fairness, and I'm not here to defend the government, they did change. They didn't stick to the letter of the law of what Enfit asked them to do. They've tweaked it uh, somewhat. Vincent says, I am so mad about them stopping people going to matches. I've been at two matches over the weekend and thought it was outstanding how well it was run. I was in Killarney and the carry on there was ridiculous. Close all the bars and the restaurants. What kind of a government, what kind of a government is running the country? It's crazy uh, carry on. Pat says I'm over 70 and I'm getting the pe- getting the feeling that people over 70 are being picked on I don't think we are being picked on at all look at it how many people over 70 have died and how many people under 70 have died so Pat has a huge understanding as to why it's been done it is to protect people over the age of 70 Dan says well we have to listen to Micheál Martin for the next two years will they please bring back the Chief Medical Officer a man who knows uh, what he is doing says, um, that's from Dan well, that started Tony Hoolan, and of course he's taken time out because his wife is um, um, suffering, is has cancer and is in palliative care. So there's a huge understanding as to why Tony Hoolan isn't there. Anyway, Dan says um, he would like to see Tony Hoolan back. And Mavis and John says, it was inevitable that they would tighten restrictions. If you walk through Clonakilty, you would not think there was a pandemic going on at all. There's no social distancing. As two of the over 70s, we've complied with all of the restrictions. I have tried shopping at the designated times, but perhaps some of the other groups would also help and let us have our space, please. Because of that, I've tried shopping at quieter times. During lockdown, there was much more kindness from neighbours and our postman, from which we were ever so grateful. Let's hope one day we will all get back to normal and be able to see our families again. We have not had anybody to our home since early March says Mavis and uh, John who are very much looking after themselves stay safe uh, Mavis and John and Morris says morning Patricia confused question mark question mark you think our kids may not even get back to school yet the airports are wide open and I know for a fact a large amount of foreign students are coming to Ireland yet we'll probably we would probably go into lockdown again what kind of a government do we have says Maura and a couple of people are pointing out 
on the restrictions, the fact that you are only permitted, 15 people are permitted to train outdoors and yet when a match goes ahead, there'll be at least 30 players on the pitch. Could any of your listeners shed some light on that? Is that not a contradiction in itself? One of the many contradictions that people are pointing out. 1850 333 103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. As we continue to discuss the new measures and restrictions that were announced last night by the government, the one that I have to say we're getting the most calls and texts about is the measure whereby all sports meetings and fixtures are to be held behind closed doors with no spectators. The previous attendance limit of 200 has now been uh, scrapped. The Michael Moynihan, uh, Cork Northwest Dáil Deputy, uh, joins me. Uh, good morning to you, Michael. Good morning. Can you understand the logic behind this one? I can't. And like, you know, we know that we're in a global pandemic and we know that there is huge, you know, over the last couple of months, maybe we've been too fast in early June, but there are real concerns out there and people are trying to manage it and trying to make sure that we make the best possible decisions. But if you stand back and look at the 200 people and we know what GA clubs have had to do over the last number of weeks in terms of sporting facilities and trying to accommodate people who wanted to go to matches and, you know, the draws and the raffles for tickets and unprecedented times and difficult it was for to try and accommodate with the 200 limit. But if you look at it and you have 200 people in an outdoor setting and it's an outdoor setting and what is the logic in having it behind closed doors? You know, there's an awful lot of matches going on right through it at all grades from juvenile right up to, to senior uh, around the country and around the county. And limiting it to or putting it behind closed doors now. What is the scientific... And like uh, I shared with you this morning the, the uh, advices that was given by Neffet to the government. But I just can't understand the... Um, the reasoning behind the like is there figures to show that there's an increase in uh, COVID-19 cases presenting after matches or people that were attending matches we don't see any of that evidence and I just can't for the life of me understand you know why how they can put everything behind closed doors in my opinion it would be better to have them at the matches than to be congregating elsewhere watching the matches and, you know, by whatever platform that the matches are being broadcast on at this stage, been congregating in an indoor setting rather than having it an outdoor setting. And, you know, it also gives uh, a, a sense, I suppose, of, um, you know, for mental health and well-being. You know, there are people in clubs, you know, have had generations, elderly people that it's their only outlet, you know, people in their 70s and their 80s. We all know the clubs that have members that they're trying to accommodate a ticket for somebody in their 80s at this stage to get to the matches over the last number of weeks. They don't understand the streaming. They don't have the access to all the technology that's out there that we are so accustomed to at this stage. But I think it is giving the wrong signal. And the problem I see with it is that you just said this in your intro there, the amount of calls you're getting mm. on the matches. 
if like and it looks like that we have a difficult number of months ahead in terms of this pandemic and the increase in the pandemic since July right through and the figures they're presenting and the public need to be fully behind the uh, reasons and we don't if, if there are very difficult decisions that have to be made well we want to make sure that there's a common sense dimension to everything as well and that in terms of this I, 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 I am baffled I am absolutely and I have read and looked for as much information as I possibly can to understand the reasoning behind. I know that Dr. Glynn was concerned about the possibility of the virus spreading with people congregating after matches. Have you any indication of what was happening after matches? Well, I, I, well, you know, there's anecdotal evidence to present where people are going after matches, but that's only, you know, is it, you know, they're not going to go to matches now so that they're going to congregate in an indoor setting and watch the stream live it or something. Is that better than having it in an outdoor area where there are people, you know, all the pitches on all the sporting facilities, you know, if you put 200 people into it, you'd hardly see them in the grounds. You know, a lot of the matches that I've seen online over the last number of weeks, and you see there's 200 people in it, they're very sparsely spread out. And it is in the open air. It's not in a confined space. And if there's an issue about people congregating after matches, well, let's deal with that. Let that be the issue that will be dealt with and that's the issue that the regulations are around. We don't want people congregating. We don't want this. We want to try and eliminate this uh, disease because many people have suffered enormously, lost loved ones and in my opinion that will resonate with them for generations to come the way that they died during the COVID crisis and I think that we have to you take but the 200 people uh, having you know, I my opinion was that they could increase it to maybe 400 people or 500 people. Well, I think that's what the GAA and the supporters were hoping for. And I have to say, like, a, a good number of people have contacted us this morning who have been to matches, you know, with one gentleman uh, saying that that's all he has. His local pub he can't go to and all that was keeping him going yes. was the match. Absolutely. And, like, you know, they have, you know, all the various different, uh, I suppose, uh, combinations of it, you know, we can go to mass, we can't, and the various different stories that were put out there, you know, uh, uh, about how to get into matches after the regulations last night. An awful lot of people, for their social outlet, have no other social outlet on it going to the matches. They understand the GA, they understand the matches, they understand it countywide, countrywide, and they really are passionate about it. And long may that day continue because it is a massive social outlet for people and it's a massive interest for the people. But I think that, you know, if we have it, if we don't have, and I mean, I, I, like, I, I go back to the fundamental point. I do not understand how it is unsafe to have 200 people at a match um, outdoors, outdoors, socially distant. Absolutely. And people have made tough decisions. GA clubs have made tough decisions in relation to limiting members to come in. Volunteers who walk in those GA clubs have been policing this regulation on behalf of the state and hats off to all those who have done that and have complied with the regulation heretofore. But if you have them socially distant, if they're out there, if there's an issue about congregation after matches, well, let's deal with that. But is there evidence to show 
that having 200 people at a match, whatever sporting uh, event it is, having 200 people outdoors, is there evidence to show that that is causing concern and is presenting a spike in the figures in relation to COVID? Yeah, it's like they're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And the other one that a lot of people are pointing out as a contradiction, that teams can only hold training sessions with 15 people at a time. And yet then when they go to play a match, there'll be 30 people on the pitch. I mean, that in itself is a contradiction. It is, yeah. And one or two of the of uh, people who will be training teams were talking to me this morning and they were saying what do we do now we have a squad of 23 or 24 people or maybe more do we just say look we're only taking the 15 and we need the others that we are encouraging to build up encouraging to to uh, train hard to try and get on the team uh, you know people that might be out injured or so forth where are we to draw the line in it yeah. and like it is putting huge pressure on volunteers uh, right across the country because all sporting organisations are run by volunteers and as I said hats off to what they are doing uh, and commend them uh, and long may that day continue but it is putting huge pressure and I do think like we have to be you know, mindful that the figures have risen over the last while and public support has been enormous and the Irish people have done enormous things since the 12th to 13th of March in relation to trying to co- and to, to combat COVID and they have sacrificed an awful lot on that. But to bring the public with us into the next phase, I think that there has to be a common sense approach and the one thing that struck out all day um, last evening and again this morning was in relation to the sporting facilities and 200 people and outdoors versus Mm. indoors. And that is now the nail that will be caused because of all the rest of what's going on. And I think that there needs to be a common sense approach in relation to it and allow show us the evidence that can stack up in relation to putting it all behind closed doors. I haven't seen it. I have looked for it and I haven't seen it and I'm yet to be convinced that there's any good reason for it. Yeah, and the and and I know the cases are rising, and it's been shocking the the last few days, uh, the, the, certainly the last few weeks. But you can pinpoint a lot of those are down to the meat processing uh, plants. And then I was looking yesterday at the fourteen day average for Cork. We were twenty eight in the fourteen days up to I think it was Sunday night. So that's an average of of two a day. I think we had none uh, on Monday. And then out of yesterday's one hundred and ninety, there was only one in Cork. Like we're doing really well. Here in Cork. Exceptionally well and have done exceptionally well right through. And long may that continue. Absolutely. And I have done it right through. But like, you know, the workplaces, particularly, you know, with what happened in Killeer, Leash and Offaly, there were workplaces where they had to close them down for two weeks. And I, I think that, they, they you know, they ha- there's work practices that need to be dealt with and need to be looked at uh, and to make sure that everything is working in accordance with them. But it is not, it, it's simply... You know, to alienate a whole raft of people. You know, people. One person was on to me today about the about an under fourteen match in a particular part of the county. You know, it goes right through all the ages, and. And what's going to happen to the under-14 match? Well, they, they were looking for guidance on what is happening. What did they do? Does the parent drop the young person? or the, Yeah, because you know, there can be no shared transport. There can be, they, you know, and we, the GA has been <laughs> built on shared transport Absolutely. for generations. Uh, Will you stay there? Because I want to bring in Councillor Franco Flynn because I know he's been holding uh, for quite some time on the other line. He's on line five, is it, John Paul? Um, let me bring in Frank because he's actually on the, he's a county board de- delegate. Uh, good morning to you, Frank. Uh, good morning, Patricia. I'd, good say, morning, I'd, I'd say your phone is hopping, is it? P- Patricia, I never saw so many people irate 
absolutely crazy. Since the news started breaking yesterday around 3 o'clock, and I was actually in a match last night in Pomoy, and it was the topic of conversation. They said, Frank, is this our last match? Is this the last one? What's happening? I personally feel this is a step too far. It does not make sense. Because as everyone knows, and the GA will be very much involved in, they're very well organised. They put in place all the regulations, even if my last night you could see it as the entrance. Uh, you know now, there's no showers, there's no changing rooms. The players arrive, they tug off on the side of the field, they play the match, and there's just 50, you could say, outside supporters from each club allowed. It is done by ticket, you pre-order your ticket, and you send your ticket into the gate, and they come in in an orderly fashion, and they leave afterwards. And what happened afterwards? Was there any sort of big congregation you know, afterwards? I was in my last night, and I was in Blarney on uh, Sunday evening. None whatsoever. Very, very well organised. Car parking, everything. And you uh, all the protocol is in place. Even at the entrance, the hand washing, you can use the spray, and you go to your place. Now, you must remember now, for my can actually hold between twelve and, and 14,000, let's say. And absolutely, with 50 people, 100 people outside of the players, and the mentors, the referee, and the selectors, and the press. It's a very, very small number. There's actually... The average pitch in this country at the moment and the GA is 400 metres. So that is very, that's just one circle. Now you can take Parky Cueve and hold 44,000. Parky Ring, 15,000. You can take the GA Pavilion in Malik and hold 12 to 15,000. I think this bureaucracy actually gone mad. And do they realise exactly what they've done and have they picked in this one? Everyone has embraced all the necessary changes that are needed and the precautions. We know it is unprecedented times, but by God, the Irish people and the communities I know of, and the people I walk and live with, and sleep with, you could say, they have really and truly embraced. And they said to me, Frank, this is a step too far. Uh, Michael, I guarantee you that the conversation we are having is being replicated on every single local radio station around the country. Do you think the government will listen? And could there be a reversal of this decision? Well, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, why I am so adamant about it is, you know, from what Frank... I, I could echo exactly what Frank has said there, and I feel very strongly about it. And all the good work that has been done, all the embracing by the public on this, and this issue is now, you know, there were very serious decisions taken yesterday, and there was a very serious meeting yesterday because of the figures increasing. And the discussion today is about whether there's 200 people at a match in the open air. It is a way more serious than this, and this should not be the issue today because there is, I cannot see the logic behind it. I cannot see the science behind it. I cannot see the demand for it. And I do believe, you know, from what I understand from colleagues and others, that there's huge disquiet in relation to it. And I would be asking them to revisit it and to provide us as public representatives and the public, more importantly, to provide the public with the information that he was behind this decision because I, as of now, cannot see it. And I mean, you know, they look at clusters and the clusters, they say that more clusters related to social and family engagements and sporting activities. It doesn't say supporters and workplace that are being identified. That was the advice that was given yesterday. It doesn't say supporters that matches and they have guidance then in relation to what should be happening in terms of sporting facilities. You know, the avoidance of social gatherings afterwards, huddles, sidelines, all that. And, and the GA had built into all that, the water breaks and everything else had been built into. I cannot understand the logic behind what they did yesterday. John in Mallow is also agreeing with both of you. A gentleman, he thinks it's an absolute disgrace what they've done to a sport. He said there are pitches out there that can hold a lot more than 200 people. So even socially distance, distance can't understand the measures with relation to sport, but yet they can.
kept restaurants open could that be because there's revenue been generated for the uh, government uh, there was no mention last night of meat factories uh, which is where all the suffering uh, started so uh, Frank you're very much with Michael on this oh, one you can't understand the logic behind and it I'm delighted he's raised it and I said this is one of the biggest issues I've come across Most some people have said to me Frank is there any proof of even one case in relation to any sporting activity since we got uh, eased the regulations I met a teacher last night coming out to the match for my he said Frank I'm now going to class a Tufty for six hours and he's dead to go back delighted and he said Frank there's 500 pupils in the, in the school 500 pupils outside of the 60 or 70 teachers he said where are we gone absolutely gone crazy the other thing is this parents said to me Frank we take our son and daughters to under 8, 10, 9, 10 under 14 matches they almost leave their son and daughter in and they must stay outside looking over the wire and sit inside in the car in groups. Well, you might be able to answer this question. A listener says, I will be taking my two sons a very long distance, might I add, to play a match tonight. What do I do while the game is on? Do I, can I go into the grounds or do I have to sit in the car? That's a very difficult one. I actually, I, I contacted the county board last night. I, cont- I rang Mark Sheehan, who's our vice chairperson, who's well known. And he said, Frank, they are, they are discussing it and they are taking it up at Cork Park to find out exactly. He said, he agreed with me completely. The number, everyone in the county board said this is absolutely crazy. And where are we going? That, that misfortunate parents. What's going to happen is if the parents can't go to the matches, Patricia, and listeners, they'll have to get a bus. And then they'll put the whole lot of the kids. Oh, they're not the allowed to do that. You're not, you're not allowed. allowed. No shared transport. You can't so, do that. Can't do that. Uh, Michael, what, what, will that woman have to sit in her car while the match is on? Well, as I understand it this morning, yeah. I mean, you know, the Texas went out from various GA clubs last night to say that there was no spectators allowed. As I understand it, that that mother would have to be outside of the grounds. There cannot be a spectator at the match. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and they, it, it's immediate effect, isn't it? The restrictions. Immediate effect, and that is the that is the ridiculousness of what was done. And like you know, you are in August. It's high season for the juveniles because lots of people. You know, there's a lot of games and, and activities going on as well. But uh, you know, they have to stay outside the grounds and. Do they stay outside the grounds, stand outside the grounds? Can they are huddled in, in in groups and have discussions there uh, outside of the grounds? Like, it is absolutely ridiculous. And common sense, which is, has been applied in an awful lot of circumstances over the last uh, six months since the pandemic struck, and with the, uh, of repeating myself again, Irish people have conformed amazingly and tried to battle this, uh, this virus in every way, shape and form. But this... I believe is a bridge too far. All right, John is seeing it from the um, Neffert's point of view. He said people are forgetting that after the match finishes, people congregate outside the grounds, oh, and there's nobody monitoring uh, that. Yes, you, you disagree with that, Frank? I completely disagree. I've been at numerous matches over the past four or five weeks, and I can tell you one thing: I was in Blarney's latest last Sunday night, no problem whatsoever. I was in for my last night before and after. I saw people arrive at quarter at, at, at the half five quarter to six for a seven o'clock match. There was no problem whatsoever with parking. It is very, very well organised in my We're talking here about a way of life for our supporters. We're talking about a quality life. We're talking about people who love to support the local GA. They're embracing. Listen, they're wearing masks. We're staying local. We're shopping local. And we're holidaying local. And we're going on day trips. And now we are. I have no proof. And people said to me, it makes no sense whatsoever. Can someone tell me what's the difference between uh, you could talk to your fatty going to a restaurant and I welcome it, delighted. You can have 50, up to 30 or 40 going to into a supermarket. But in a GA field, like for my last night, who can hold up to 12 to 14,000? Lovely stand. Plenty out in the fresh air. Where else would you be last night in the grand summer's evening and we get so few of them? 
I think it is absolutely bureaucracy gone mad. It's an excessive reaction to the need. We need more testing, and we need the results to come back faster. We need concentration on the problems where we are in the meat factories. We need to change some of the regulations there. Where the problems are, stop them. Don't be picking issues which are not causing anything whatsoever to the problem. We have to stop this. I've asked the county board to do it. I'm asking the politicians as well. I think they have to look at this, and they have to look at it seriously. Yeah, listeners saying, so who'll be responsible for my 12-year-old son once I've left him off into the match for a field? 15 under 12s on uh, each team and two coaches, question mark, question mark, question mark. Okay, there's just a lot of people so upset and annoyed. I don't think we've ever had a reaction like we're we're getting on this one. Frank, thank you. Thank you for that, um, uh, Frank. Uh, Michael, the other one that, and and I know John Paul contacted you earlier to see if you could get clarification. Do we know what's happening with the drive-in bingos? Because a number of those are held in GAA clubs, by the way. They are, and we have looked for clarity in the document that I have in front of me. There is no mention whatsoever of uh, GA clubs of any description. There is no mention about anything to do with uh, with GA clubs um, or about the bingos in GA clubs or in MAP facilities. There is no mention of it. Like, I mean, people are coming and they're in their cars and they're staying in their cars. I will try and get clarity. I have already contacted the department this morning to get clarity on that point. And the minute I have it, I will be on to your radio station. Okay. But there is nothing. And I, I mean, I have shared with you the advices that, that were yeah. given. And yeah. there is no line in it in relation to uh, whether they... And the, the document is saying what can't go ahead rather than what can go ahead, I think. It's very clear that what can't go ahead, but there is no mention whatsoever of any issue in relation to the drive-in bingos going ahead. Okay, all right. We, we'll await clarification uh, on that. Um, uh, because the other one, just to let people know, because somebody was asking us to check into uh, cinemas, um, on in a theatre setting or a, con- or a controlled environment, which is a cinema, uh, it's assumed that strict social distancing and other measures are in place. So they are allowed to have 50 people in the venue, assuming that they can have the capacity. So it's, so that's it's different for them because they're assuming that the strict social distancing, but the GAA could say the very same thing, that they've been very much adhering to strict social distancing and it is a controlled environment as well uh, uh, in many of our GAA clubs. OK, listen, Michael, I appreciate you um, uh, looking into that for us and we'll talk again. Listen, thank you for that. Thank you very much. Thanks and thanks for, for joining us. Uh, hi, Trish. What about children going back to school on the bus? Oh, that, that's absolutely fine. That's absolutely fine. Uh, for adults, we're told not to refrain from going on public transport but the children on the school buses that's all okay you can put all of the children onto the school bus that is not going to be a uh, problem Meg says we live in a crackers country we're allowing house parties and we're encouraging people to travel all over the country and now we are clamping down on those who have behaved says uh, Meg and I'm assuming she's talking about the older people well they're trying not to allow house parties that's why they're limiting the number of people that can gather in a house from Uh, three households and you can't have more than uh, six. So Mary says, could you clarify this for me, uh, please, on the number of people in a household if you're going to have a celebration like a First Holy Communion or a confirmation. 50 people could go into a restaurant or into a pub but only six in a house. Surely that's not right, says uh, Mary. Well, that's what the new regulation states uh, is to happen. 1850-333-103. Keep your calls and comments coming. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. 
Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. Let me give you a sample of some of your views coming into us this morning. Michael says, are people stupid? It's the virus we should be complaining about, not what the government are doing trying to stop it. The youngsters of today, according to Michael, don't give a damn about anyone. And we have weak politicians. I'm disgusted to hear that people are complaining about what they can't do. Well, what do they want? Do they want to go to their own funeral, says uh, Michael. Pat in Mallow says, listening about the over 70s and the GAA and people are talking about the legislation that's going to be needed for the Gardaí in order for them to enforce the regulations that were brought in yesterday. Some are saying that won't come in until September. But, says Michael think back when Mary Harney needed to bring in legislation to stop the over 70s with getting medical cards she was able to bring that legislation in overnight so why not bring in the law to allow the Gardaí to enforce the regulations as fast as that on the GAA Michael says look at the GAA grounds in Mallow at uh, Carragoon you could bring thousands in there with the size of that venue and still keep everybody socially distanced so I can't understand uh, why uh, they are doing what they are doing we have by the way emailed the Taoiseach's office about driving bingos as well we are awaiting a response and I'm just thinking of some civil servant um, no Maybe they're from the country. But I'm just thinking of a civil servant in Dublin saying, driving bingo at GAA clubs. I'm wondering what's going on. Anyway, we'll wait and see Do we get a response from them. Jack says, you can't have six people in a house together. You can only have six people in a house together from three different households. Yes, you can have thousands of students in a school together. Is that making sense to anybody else? Noreen says, I work for the HSC. We were COVID tested last Thursday morning. I only got my results yesterday evening so what are the Department of Health and their advice so where are the Department of Health and their advice considering it's not two to three two to three days as they are saying for test results to come back and that obviously affects contact tracing if somebody tests positive thankfully for Noreen she did get a negative uh, result but she was waiting from a test on Thursday morning and didn't get the results until Tuesday evening we do absolutely have a problem with test results not coming back uh, quick enough for sure. Somebody says ban the drive-in bingos immediately. Don't wait until it's too late. They don't give a reason for it but somebody wants to see them gone. There'll be a lot of people disappointed if they do if they're not allowed to go ahead. Someone else says God help us all. We're in the middle of a pandemic and the politicians that you had on, they haven't a clue what they're talking about. What's happening is people without passes. Now, this is what one listener is saying. People without passes are, get, are entering games. Secondly, players are gathering after events, after the match. Are, are people living in cuckoo land? So they, what, what we need to be doing is inquiring where both of the lo- what both of the local teams did after championship games last weekend. I can guarantee you, says these, this texter, they didn't go home. Jean in Glamworth says, oh, for God's sake, can anyone push for the centres for older people and the people with special needs to have them reopened? It's all about the GAA. Some centres were due to open in early September. What's going to happen now? They are the forgotten people. It's all the GAA. I'm listening to to hell with the GAA, says Jean. Think of the most vulnerable, please. Rant over. And I haven't heard the plans are that a lot of 
the centres for people with uh, disabilities uh, are due, the adults with disabilities. I, I know in my own case with St. Joseph's Foundation where Marsha goes, they're due to reopen on Monday. Now we're at Wednesday. I still haven't heard anything yet to say that it is certainly going ahead. I've been expecting a co- phone call since Monday of last week. Maybe I will get one today. But I, I am worried as well when I see and heard what happened yesterday, is it going to delay the reopening of daycare centres for people with disabilities and for older people as well. Hi Patricia, I told you yesterday that the over 70s were going to be hit again. Nothing has been done to stop the house parties. They've stopped the hurling match and the football match viewings and that's all a lot of older people have as they can't even go down to the local pub for uh, a drink. They'll drive us all into the mental hospital. People living alone will see nobody. We've done our best to make all of the right decisions so far and they're telling us that the age Age group now that is most at risk is those 45 and uh, under. And yet we, the active over 70s, it's almost like we've been thrown on the scrap heap. That's from a Mallow listener. Martin Infomoy says, tell the woman who has to drive her children to the GAA match, keep her children at home. Too many people from the GAA are gathering together. I've seen teenagers with Harleys, they're not social distancing. What's the government doing about that, says Martin Infomoy. Nothing. Mick says cancel the GAA because health is uh, vital. Someone else, Mike says, we ought to have retained Simon Harris as Minister for Health. People actually listened to him. Stephen Donnelly has no experience in health. We'll have total lockdown again if figures continue to climb. I wonder would others agree with Mike on that? Would people have preferred if Simon Harris had stayed on as uh, Minister for Health? And someone else by text says, Patricia, I think we are paying for the carry-on of those lunatics in Dublin at the weekend and that was a very small crowd in just one bar. But of course, the video footage of that went all, not just over the country, it unfortunately went all over the world. Some of your WhatsApps, John in Mitchestown's morning, Trish, question for you. If you you can play contact sport like hurling and football. Why do you have to keep social distancing on a normal basis? I think it is a joke. Uh, Patricia says another texter. The government needs to guarantee that all testing and results are processed within 24 hours. That will help to control the spread of this virus. The majority of us are adhering to the rules and regulations. So the government needs to step up and this service needs to be improved. Tim says people who want to staycation should stay within their own counties. That way, we wouldn't have anybody coming from hotspots areas and infecting other areas. Uh, that surely would spread, slow down the spread of the virus. So go back to whatever phase we were in when you couldn't move outside of your county. And then if you needed to, I wanted to go on holidays, you would have to go on holidays just in your own county. That's a suggestion in for Tim. Thank you for that, uh, Tim. Hi, Patricia. I think that the government have really lost the plot here. It's the meat plants that are causing the problems and the foreigners that these companies have brought in for abroad. Lots of them then end up living together because they're not being paid a fair wage. And then they're going on to spread the virus. We're all obeying the rules. I'm a very fit, healthy person and now I'm one of those people who will have to stay home and it's the under 40s who are the ones spreading the virus and contracting the virus at the moment. I've texted you before telling you about the youngsters that I meet in the park who are partying. I'm really very annoyed at the way they're handling it. Kind regards, says Anne, who says, by the way, I love my dancing and I am really missing my uh, dancing. Hi, Patricia. This government think they 
they can do what they like. They're bringing the country down so fast the, that Ireland will soon be underwater. Jobs are being lost already and more will come. They brought in 15 people into a household. Don't know what that is. Anyway, children have been left so disappointed this year. Communions confirmations are just starting up again and now they can't even have a little party for them. Is this going to keep going until Christmas? And there'll be disappointment again. As I've said before, the virus is here to stay. We have to live with it. I won't be listening to any more from this government. We need to call an election, says this uh, texter. Question, quick question, Patricia. If everyone is encouraged to work from home again as much as possible, which is, yeah, the recommendation from yesterday, does that include teachers? Just putting it out there, just wondering, are schools definitely going to reopen? Well, everything that the government say they, they're doing, that's uh, from Noreen, uh, Noreen, everything the government say they're doing, they're doing it in order to get the schools reopening, reopened. So yes, while they're saying to work from home, if you can work from home, but that doesn't include uh, teachers. Patricia, if Michael Moynihan joined you earlier, he doesn't understand what is going on with regard to the regulations about COVID-19. Could he not please speak to the Taoiseach? Is he not still supporting his own uh, government? Now, the texter says, why not just stop all the matches? Do it for a short period of time. Almost have a lockdown on all GAA activities. I don't know if people will agree with that. Liz says, hi, I am listening to this. Why don't the government close large parks for example, like the park at Muckras House, all those other parks that are around the country. Tens of hundreds of people are gathering. Some of them are coming from overseas and we've got streets full of people. Many of them are not social distancing. So there are other things that can be done. And hi, Patricia. I am bewildered by the reaction of people this morning to this having sports behind closed doors rules. Can we not understand that the whole approach here is about prevention, not reaction? If we continue to look to react to this disease, we will lose. It takes up to three weeks to see the effects of it. The GAA have no control over people travelling to and from matches. We forget so quickly where we were two months ago. It's fine for old people to be told, stay at home and mind yourself. But look at the numbers at the moment where most of those been infected. They're in the younger age groups. Lobby groups, including the biggest one of them all, the GAA, need to think of others. Maybe a full lockdown may, might be the proper approach if there is so much grief simply about the government trying to protect our own people. So there's somebody very much understanding where the government and Neffet are coming from. 1850 333 103. Our lines are open. C103 Jobs. Now a kitchen fitter with a minimum of five years experience is required please for Cork City and County while an experienced childminder is required for a six month old and one school going child that's in the children's own home it's in the Kilbrin Canturk area. Construction workers wanted that's for Cork City and experienced labourer required for construction sites that's in in Canturk. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is 
C103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, we're going to leave the COVID-19 rules and regulations for a moment because I want to move to a different issue. Yesterday, I spoke with Ralph Regal from the Irish Independent about the alleged assault on two Chinese men at the start of August in Ballyfahan area of Cork. People were shocked by the details of the case following on from the nationwide shock of the incident involving the Chinese lady who was pushed into the canal in Dublin last Friday by a group of teenagers who were mocking her. According to the Irish Network Against Racism, these cases are not isolated. And joining me from INAR is Shane O'Curry, the director. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, You're welcome to the programme. Are you seeing an incident in racist incidents directly related to coronavirus? Uh, yes, indeed, we have, and, and you know, we don't have uh, complete data on it uh, just yet. But um, in in the period from uh, the end of January uh, to the end of April, uh, we captured uh, sixty incidents directly relating uh, to coronavirus. In other words, sixty incidents in which the victims. Of- Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even on a budget, Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Of slurs or abuse, uh, were subjected to slurs or abuse that directly invoked uh, references to the coronavirus um, or the China virus, uh, etc. Uh, the majority of these uh, were uh, people who are Chinese or who were perceived to be Chinese, people from uh, other ethnic backgrounds where the people mistook them for Chinese people. Um, uh, so anyone who's uh, Chinese or looks Asian, people were sort of blaming them for COVID-19? Yes, but it actually also oh, yes. extended to other ethnic minorities, including migrants uh, and uh, travellers in some cases as well. Um, and uh, again... We, you know, in our uh, I report system since January until now, we've recorded um, 20 instances of physical assaults against people. Six of those, uh, six of those reported to us. That is, and, we, um, 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 and by no means do we capture all of the all of the incidents. Uh, six of those reported to us uh, were against 
Chinese people or against people perceived to have been Chinese. In other words, almost a third of the assaults uh, are carried out against Chinese people, and all of these relate to um, uh, slurs involving the coronavirus. And, and that's a shocking jump in the proportion of assaults against Chinese people. Did a lot of this start on social media, Shane? It, it, it absolutely originates in social media. You know, the majority of the reports to us do relate to uh, memes and tropes on social media, jokes that, that circulate around, uh, you know, associating Chinese uh, people with the virus, uh, mocking Chinese people for their eating habits, etc., uh, etc. Et and so there is a huge responsibility on our social media platforms to, you know, to monitor this and and uh, and, and to intervene uh, because uh, this is where. Uh, this is where our culture develops. This is where uh, uh, such tropes against people, Chinese people uh, are normalized. And it's in that context that young people uh, acting out are acting out uh, what they see as, um, you know, widespread societal beliefs about Chinese people. And, they, you know, they feel in some way that they're entitled uh, to, to carry out these attacks. And when you say you've clearly identified 60 cases, are many other incidents going unreported? I think that you know, the, the whole purpose of uh, INR's iReport system is to, is to highlight the fact that uh, the vast majority of cases are unreported. There is no state system for uh, recording, as yet, for recording uh, racist incidents and racist hate crimes. Um, uh, just as there is no state system for uh, capturing uh, disaggregated ethnic data about people to assess whether, uh, you know, to, to measure uh, levels of discrimination in our institutions uh, or in accessing goods and services. So actually, we we don't know, uh, you know, we're in denial about levels of racism and discrimination in Ireland. And it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's tr- it has tragic consequences uh, because if you don't monitor it, you can't uh, put in place measures to combat it. Um, and if and if you're uh, and if you're not combating combating it, then it won't go uh, away. Actions like that, yeah, then actions like this are normalised. Uh, because I know the have, yeah. the, the two gentlemen in Cork, I, as far as I know, they only went public because their uh, what happened to them happened on the 8th of August it was only yeah. when that poor woman in last Dubl- in dublin last friday when that case got so much publicity that they yeah. decided to come forward we would never have heard what had happened to those uh, two gentlemen in ballyfahan yes and exactly and you know and all the data internationally suggests that less than 10% of uh, racist incidents are reported to anyone whether it's to civil society organizations like our own or to Gardaí or the authorities. And the vast majority of people who, when we ask them, did you report this to the authorities, the vast majority would say no. And when we ask them, why wouldn't they, uh, two-thirds of them would say, well, we don't have faith that they're going to be able to respond appropriately. And so there's a huge gap uh, between how minorities experience Irish society and how the rest of us do uh, around this, around uh, racial slurs, you know, the, the daily race baiting uh, that people that I think one of the victims uh, that that we're speaking about today spoke about in the Irish Times saying that, you know, he had been used to being race baited, uh, but only verbally hadn't expected that he would he would be assaulted. And, and the the impact on them 
uh, were, are quite palpable. He has now said that he's afraid to go out. Um, and this mm-hmm. will have a huge effect on other members of the Chinese community and other ethnic minorities uh, who, if, if they don't have faith that the authorities are going to respond fully, and thankfully the Gardaí did make arrests and have identified the people, and I have to say in this instance, Gardaí are to be congratulated, just as they are to be congratulated in the case of the woman who was pushed into the, into the canal, because they did respond swiftly and they did indicate very publicly that a racist motivation uh, is part of the line of inquiry that they're pursuing. And that's very important, uh, both for the victims, for, uh, for, the, you know, for, for people who share a similar identity, and for the wider community, as well as for the perpetrators, to understand that society says that these are racist incidents. And call and them out for what they are. But do you take any hope from the wider society's reaction to these cases? I mean, people were, particularly last Friday, when the video from the canal, the Dublin Canal, started going viral, and people were truly shocked that this yeah. could happen in, in our capital city. Yes, I think so. I mean, yes, I, 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 I do take courage. I think that, you know, Irish people are basically good people. I think that, uh, you know, we have a tradition of standing in solidarity with uh, with oppressed people from around the world. We have our own, you know, migration experience. We have our own history, and and so and we're and we're we're very aware of that, and that's something that uh, you know I'm very proud of as an Irish person that we are uh, that we have that tradition. But if we if we fail to capture it, if if only the instances that emerge in video are move us to shock. Uh, and, and then we don't move beyond that shock into action in our institutions, in our responses officially, uh, then we're going to let this soar fester. And, uh, uh, and and I think the consequences for all of our communities, but especially for ethnic minority communities and for a younger generation of ethnic minorities growing up in Ireland, uh, where they face the prospect of, of uh, you know, facing in, in, entrenched intergenerational racism, uh, that's very bad for, for them, of course, and for Irish society Absolutely. widely. Yeah. And uh, passerbys who witness these incidents, and I know you need to be brave, but yeah. we need to speak up, we need to call it out for what it is and, and go to the person's, uh, support the person who's been racially abused. Because well, in many cases it is verbal. Yes, in many cases it is verbal, and I think that there are, you know, thankfully there are a number of recorded incidents instances where people have moved from being a bystander into being an ally, you know, uh, intervening uh, in solidarity. I mean, I suppose I would always caution people to, to make sure it's safe for for everyone concerned. Uh, you know, don't be a have-a-go hero. But, um, but uh, you know, and I think that a, a, a massive thing, and, you know, all the research shows this, is that if you are traumatised, in an incident like this, how people respond to the incident in the immediate aftermath and in the, you know, and in the aftermath is crucial in how you process that. So uh, getting acknowledgement, getting solidarity and sympathy immediately and uh, in large numbers from people afterwards can really make a difference in how, how it's process. And of course, institutional responses are crucial to that as well. People need to know that society has their back. So is racism on the rise in this country? Um, I, I'm afraid that, that the, you know, that 
the, the, the data that we have shows that we have a we have a huge festering problem of racism, and we have an opportunity now with you know with the government's anti-racism committee, uh, with uh, changes in Garda practice that are coming down the line with the Garda diversity strategy, and uh, the working definition of hate crime and so on and so forth. We have an opportunity now to really push. And you know, and to and to push the UN recommendations to Ireland that we have a national action plan against racism, uh, to have you know bold and ambitious uh, and 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 uh, progressive and far-reaching um, uh, policies to tackle racism uh, that would be worthy of you know our best uh, progressive traditions in Ireland of equality and inclusiveness. Okay. All right, and Shane, we know how the, the, the two gentlemen here in Cork, uh, bless their hearts, they, they are recovering uh, slowly and hopefully they will get their confidence back. What about the woman in in the canal episode? Have you been in contact with her or you dealt with her? I, I, I have not, although, although I, I understand that, um, that that people involved with the INR network have been in touch and that right. that, uh, with the woman uh, but I haven't, I haven't personally okay. been in touch with her, no. Okay, but hopefully she's she's doing okay. And my apologies, it's INAR, I think I pronounced it wrong at the start, the Irish Network right. Against uh, Racism. Shane, we appreciate you, uh, you joining us on the programme. Thank you for that. Thank you, Thanks for joining us. Bye. Good morning to you, Shane O'Curry of INAR, the Irish Network Against Racism. Uh, 1850-333-103. Uh, John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls and I've just spotted, and we'll, we'll try and get clarification on this. Maybe we will try and get on to a hotel for this. A listener says, Patricia, are christenings still going ahead? reason I ask is, been invited next month to a hotel for a christening. Will that fall into the same category as weddings? Because indoor events have been limited to six people from three different households, but weddings are exempt and they still have a ceiling of 50 attendees for the time being. But that uh, limit is to be reviewed because I did read in the guidelines that came from Enfish to the government, they asked that the exemptions on the weddings would would only be in place until the 24th of August, which would have allowed for weddings that are planned for this weekend to go ahead. But then after that, the, the 50th, the wedding would have been cancelled because they would have gone back to six. But government has said, no, they wouldn't quite go as far as that, but they'll review it instead. Will christings fall into the same as weddings? I, I don't know. We're going to have to check. We said we'll, we'll check with the hotel. I'm assuming it will. I mean, my gut instinct would tell me it, it would once the indoor event at the hotel is, I mean, a wedding is a celebration. You think Christine, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm talking off the top of my head now because I really don't know the answer to that. Leave it with us and we'll check it out for you. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. Now, because his trip to Lisbon was cancelled, my next guest, Conor O'Keefe from Glanmire, decided to have a staycation, but not your normal one, as he spent the bones of the last month climb, climbing as many mountains around the country as he could. Conor O'Keefe, who is an ultra-marathon runner and an adventurer, uh, joins me. Uh, good morning to you, Conor. How are you doing, Patricia? Uh, well, I'm doing well. You, you, I believe, you're at the foot of the Cumras. I am indeed, yeah. Debating whether to climb because of you've heard of Storm Ellen, obviously. 
Yeah, I was, you know what, I was delighted to be entering the county of my father's name. My father's from Waterford, and I, I called myself a kind of half a Dacia, half a rebel. And I was delighted, you know, I'm, I'm rolling into Waterford now, i got to do some climbing there now in, in, the, in half the homeland. And then I hear Storm Ellen is rolling through, and uh, she could be shaking my tent off the side of a mountain. So. Yeah, I would, I would stay at the foot, at least, at least <laughs> until tomorrow. Now, you described it on an Instagram post as a Tinder date on a national scale. Yeah. Talk, talk to me about how this whole trip came, came about, Connor. Well, as you were saying, I, like I, I, as many people found themselves, I couldn't go on my kind of usual holidays, my usual trips. I had planned to go to Lisbon. Um, and I planned to run up the side of um, of Portugal into Spain, across Spain, and into France. Um, but I obviously had to put that on hold. Yeah, <laughs> as you do, just a normal old sunny sun holiday, you know. Okay, um, so that was put on hold. So then you decided staycation. Yeah, I decided. Well, do you know what? I, I decided that I would just get in the car. I would just throw a load of stuff into the car, and that I would just go off and. It was kind of more of a, like a, a box-ticking adventure kind of a thing where I was like, I'm just going to go around now and I'm going to climb as many mountains as possible. But it turned into something like so much more than that for me. Um, it was like rediscovering my heritage, like rediscovering my, my country, my, my motherland, be re, you know, reintroducing myself to Ireland. How many mountains have you climbed? Uh, 33. My goodness, my yeah. go- my goodness. And we have spectacular mountains to climb. Absolutely. And like I've, I've climbed the highest peak in each of the four provinces now as of uh, two days ago. And I'm telling you, like anybody that is looking for, people are always in search of adventure. And they'll go to these, they, try, they want to go to these far-flung places all over the world when it is right on your doorstep. You can look out your windows and you can see it everywhere. And myself included, we we don't sometimes see that. We can't see the forest from the trees. And when I really immersed myself in the, the, the wildness that is in Ireland, I really saw that there's adventure in every corner. What were the toughest days and the toughest mountains? Oh, yeah. Um, like we did, I suppose I did three big climbs. Um, we started in Kerry and uh, we were trying to climb Koran Tool from, from the back way, from the back uh, entrance, which is the left kind of climb. But yeah. the weather was absolutely atrocious. We were nearly blown off the mountain two days in a row. Uh, we ended up climbing Koran, but up the Devil's Ladder Way, which is a kind of more usual route, the safer route if, if wind is not playing ball. Um, and that was those those kind of claims, and we claimed Mount Brandon. They were they were fairly tough, but it was when we went up the west coast and we hit the the Seven Sisters, which is the Seven Sisters, the Seven Mountains uh, peaks in Donegal, and that was our first kind of real test. Um, it was it was it was um, fairly okay to navigate. It was physically demanding, but the visibility was terrible. And uh, then we went to the Mourn Mountains and we did what, uh, which is across the other side, it's in County Down. And we did what's called the Mourn Wall Challenge. And uh, people try and do this all the time um, up there. Well, when I say all the time, people that are mad enough to go and try Mm -hmm. and do it. um, It usually takes about 13 or 14 hours to complete. And we did it in just under 11 hours, but we were absolutely, we were wrecked after it. It was really easy to navigate because you follow a wall the whole time. But it was re- incredibly physically challenging. Two thousand 
600 metres of climb in that 11 hours. Oh, it absolutely. It was ridiculous. And uh, then when I finally got down to Wicklow, I think I got my, my biggest challenge. Um, I, well, what I've kind of come to dub the big three, I don't know what people in Wicklow call it, but I've, I, we claimed the, the three tallest uh, mountains in the Wicklow Mountains, um, Mulliclevon, Tanlegi and Lugnaquilla. And we did it over two days. Uh, and we covered about 30 kilometres. Um, it took us about 17 hours of climbing all together over two days. And we were really hit with Mother Nature's full force on those two days. It was terrible fog, poor visibility. The wind was terrible. And it was sheets of rainfall on the second day. And I think that was probably, out of the, the three kind of big climbs we did, I think that t- tested every kind of facet of mountaineering. You got some good days, though, weather-wise as well, didn't you? Oh, yeah. yeah. We did. Do you know what? It actually just, it just kind of happened that we were off the mountains most of the time when we had the good weather. Murphy's um, Law. Which, yeah, absolutely. But look, sometimes I kind of prefer that because on the mountain, at least I'm prepared for the bad weather. You know, I have all the gear with me. But when I'm down, I'm walking around like Belfast uh, or I'm walking around Dublin and I'm kind of recovering between climbs. You know, if it's lashing out of the heavens, I'm there in my, you know, my T-shirt and shorts and I'm like, oh, Jesus. But um, at least on the mountain, I'm prepared. And that's yeah, that's a good point. That, that's a good point. And you camped out under the stars every night. Yeah, every single night. Now, I was offered coaches and beds and I was even offered B&Bs from time to time as well as I was on this kind of journey. And I mean, the kindness of the whole country has just been absolutely phenomenal. But I respectfully declined because all I wanted to do was stay close to the ground, stay close to being in immersed fully in nature at that time. And that was what was really, uh, I suppose, eye-opening for me was it, it, that was when I knew it, become, it became less about just ticking boxes and claiming mountains and saying, oh, yeah, I've done this mountain, that mountain. It became more about reconnecting with the land. And I feel like I want to spread that word of, of reconnecting and get people to fall back in love with Ireland again. And, and that's why I was so, I suppose, steadfast in my conviction of staying out on the land every night and getting fully immersed in, in everything that Ireland has to offer. Got a hope false to Ireland are listening to you. You're a great ad for staycationing I, I, and, I, I, and adventure holidays. If, if, if false to Ireland wants <laughs> to get in contact with me, I want, I would love to bring every facet of Ireland together. I want, like, I'm a Gael Gore as well, so I would love to um, get fully immersed in the Irish language. I want to see all the corners of every Gael talk um, to uh, tear, and I want to to pull everything because I've I've seen and heard about so many magnificent magnificent things. I've thought uh, heard of donkey sanctuaries and beekeepers and uh, people within the Gael talks and craft shops and everything that's around this country that. I don't think people know enough about and yeah. I think that everybody is still looking overseas, Patricia. I think everybody is waiting for the government to say, yeah, you can fly away again. Even, really yeah, truly, even though I do think, I, I'm really hoping at the end of all this pandemic that that's going to be one of the big positives because the amount of people like I would even personally know who are staycationing this year who would never have considered a holiday in Ireland and hearing and even watching on social media people talking about places they've been to and just how gorgeous this country is. Yeah absolutely it has everything it has mountains lakes it has the beaches it has waves I was in Sligo and, and it has the people. It has the people that is one of the things as well that 
you can't you like that isn't something that's just physically manifested in the country that's culture that's something that has been fostered over years and years and yesterday i had a chap um david who who um, he owned a meal prep company drove all the way out to to the wicklow mountains national park in lara to drop out food to me and drop out a care package to me so of of like baby wipes and different food and everything of of things that i might need just because you know, just because he thought it would be a nice thing to do. I had another girl who offered me a shower and a nice warm cup of tea when I was in County Armagh. Like, there was just every corner of the world. We went over to Sligo and I went into a shop. I had I had lost my coffee filter and I was given a free coffee filter in one of the shops. Uh, I was offered breakfast in another shop. And it was just absolutely ph- phenomenal to see that not only was the country itself in a physical way embracing me and allowing me to do all of these claims. But the country in terms of the actual people were embracing me and they were embracing what I was about and what I was doing and supporting it. And I think that's what really came out of the flames of this whole fire that, that the, of, this, of this pandemic is that people are now looking very, very close to home. They're, they're looking at the importance of the people around them and they're looking at the importance of the country that they live in. And I think that's a fantastic thing for fostering that within the country. Absolutely. And you, you particularly want to get a message out to females about how wonderful camping is. Absolutely. Absolutely. I noticed myself just uh, as when I was camping out um, that, you know, the majority of the people that I was coming across were male. Now, there were some females uh, there as well, but I, I don't think I actually saw a female-only group. Um, and I was actually doing a bit of research into this. I didn't want to be, you know, a, a man treading in a, on, on a woman's world here when I kind of, uh, I, I didn't want to make points that I didn't know about. So I wanted to ask women how they felt about camping, how they felt about getting into the outdoors, about getting in touch with nature. And there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of fear, I think, and a lot of, uh, a lot of um, uh, I suppose, of the unknown. And that women were telling me that that was one of the reasons why they were they were kind of not as open to getting into the outdoors. But one of the running themes, Patricia, that I found uh, when 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 I was talking to girls and I was talking to women was that if they were introduced to nature in a positive way at an early age, whether by parents or by the girl guides, scouts or whatever the case may be, they found it more accessible as an adult to get out into the open. So I feel that it's more. Um, that uh, the lack of knowledge maybe or something like that is stopping mm. uh, a lot of women from actually getting out into the outdoors and, and, and getting that. And, that. and you feel it is very safe? Oh, I feel it is incredibly safe. I, I, I said this uh, this point on my, on my Instagram as well, that uh, a lot of people were asking me, are you not scared going out into forests and into the, into the mountains on your own to, to camp? And I said, no, I'm I'm furthest away from the thing that's probably going to most likely do me harm, and that's human beings. <laughs> like statistically, human beings are probably going to be, you know, my my uh, my number one threat if you're talking about a, a a threat coming from something else. So if I'm out on my own and I'm out uh, in the wilderness, it's just me. The the main things you have to worry about is the weather and uh, and the land that you actually camp on, and you can do an awful lot to to prepare yourself for that and prepare yourself for the information. So I think it's incredibly safe to get outdoors. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I, that's why I encourage, I want to encourage not only women, but men also, and also 
the youth. I want to, I want to see everybody enjoying the outdoors like I have done. Okay, because well, well I done. want people to know that it is it is accessible. And you're you're, you're at the end of you're getting to the end of your trip, are you? You need, I am indeed. Yeah. When, when do you expect to be home? Um, well, I'm going to see how this uh, weather pans out for the rest of it because one of the things that I will say to anybody that's listening to me now and might think, oh, Jesus, I'd love to do something like that is never, ever take unnecessary risks and never disrespect nature. Always, always take the, the cautious approach. You can take calculated risks when you're out on doing these things. Unnecessary risks when there's storm warnings and things like that, you have to take heed because bad things can happen respect you know? mother nature listen it's exactly. been a, it's been a real pleasure talking to you Connor. I have a feeling we'll speak again uh, safe uh, travels for the rest of your trip and thanks a million for joining us today thank you Patricia good thank morning you. to you bye 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 that is uh, Connor O'Keefe 1850 when I was chatting with Connor O'Keefe an amazing amazing guy as he's walking around all the mountains of Ireland you can follow him on uh, Instagram and his Insta handle is C-O-Keefe C-O-K-E-E-F-F-E and we've just been notified by Photo Wildlife Park that they've clo- they're closed tomorrow Thursday and that's due to the predicted extreme weather of Storm uh, Ellen and we are hoping to have somebody on from Met Air and join us after 12 to talk about the tracking of uh, Storm Ellen and what we can expect uh, later on tonight and into tomorrow. 1850 It's also Wednesday and even though we are talking about Storm Ellen, people have been out and about in the garden. If you've got a gardening question for Peter Dowdle you can get that in as well. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 If you have a gardening question for Peter can you get those in, please? We have Sadie and John Paul taking your calls, 1850 Or I can see some coming in by text as well. Or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. A couple of people commenting on uh, Connor as he climbs all of the mountains around Ireland. Uh, John says, sounds like Connor has a great life. He mustn't have a mortgage or a car to run. Travelling around the world, climbing mountains, all costs money, even though I think he's, he's he literally is doing the one around Ireland on a shoe street out shoestring of a budget but John says he paints a lovely picture we'll all be climbing up the walls soon if the new lockdown comes our way says uh, John while another listener said loved listening to Connor on your programme before 12 he's right though more women do need to be encouraged and reassured that they can get out camping and and hiking and that it is safe but by the way says this listener we are out there I often wild camp alone and I've never felt fearful as Connor says the risks are usually from humans and they're very very far away when I'm out in the wild listening to him today I'm feeling inspired for more adventures what a lovely text thank you for that 1850 333103 and someone else Eddie in says great to hear that young man Conor O'Keefe talk so passionately about this beautiful island of Ireland that's coming from a chap that drove trucks all over Europe for the past 26 years Best of luck to him, says Eddie in Ovens, because there's no place like home. That's lovely. Thank you for that. Now, some more of your calls coming in. Now, this one uh, sums up. We've had a few others uh, on the same vein. And this is to do with people who attend Alcoholics Anonymous and they go regularly for their meeting. This listener sums it up well. Says, I'm wondering, can you help us, please? I'm a recovering alcoholic. 
and I attend AA meetings. I attend them a couple of times a week. These meetings are the treatment that I need for my disease. AA meetings were closed for months during lockdown and it was so, so difficult during that period. When meetings came back, the relief was huge. And all of the meetings, by the way, we strictly adhere to the guidelines. I can't understand how pubs and restaurants can have up to 50 people and in some cases in larger pubs even more in one room. Yet addiction groups which are far smaller numbers, will now not be allowed to go ahead because, of course, we'll be limited by the numbers of six meeting indoors. I don't want to drink. It terrifies me, says this a texter. My life is good now and I don't want to jeopardise that. My goodness, wouldn't your heart go out to that person? We're trying to get clarification on uh, that because that listener, and there's others who are asking the very same uh, questions, Uh, because indoor gatherings of non-family members are now being limited to a maximum of six persons from three different uh, households. That obviously uh, will include AA meetings because they won't all be coming from the one household. And when we were in full lockdown, when people couldn't meet indoors, that listener and other listeners are right, all the AA meetings went. I know they tried to do, a uh, number of AA groups tried to do, you know, Zoom meetings and some people found it okay, but others just didn't get anything from it at all and were desperate to get their meetings back and were so thrilled when the meetings came back. So we're working on trying to get clarification on that. So hang in there. Hang in there and um, we'll get back to you on that one as soon as we can. Someone says, is it true that over 70s are asked not to go to hotels? Yes, Dr. Ronan Glynn said that yesterday if you want to staycation, but he asked over 70s to avoid uh, not to go to hotels. But again, it's a guideline. It's it's a guideline. It really will be up to yourself to make the call if you feel safe in a particular hotel. Andrew says, hello Patricia, do you know if the government have made a decision about what age the old age pension will be paid out at um, from a 65 and a half year old uh, Andrew I think you're going to be okay for the moment because that was one of the planks and one of the red lines for the Fianna Fáil party going into government because they were the ones who campaigned to keep the old age pension at 66 and not raise it to 67 which was due to come in from wasn't it the start of this year it was due to come in or is it from the end of this year it was due to come in but anyway and I know it's been left as is it is still to be discussed so as of now it is still being paid out at 66 so you have six months of anxiousness Andrew as you wait because you would be one of the ones who would be uh, caught Uh, Patricia read people from other European countries working in our meat factories that people are talking about and fact that they all live and work together. Many of those people share houses and they do it, can we say, they do it because of their pay. They're they're paid so badly. That is the only way that they can do it is to share a house together. And in some cases, the house share is actually linked to their wages in that they get the job, they get their wages and out of their wages, the cost of the house comes, but they'll all end up uh, living together. Well, this is a point, and actually I was talking to somebody during the week who made this very same point to me, and it's a point well worth worth making. In the dark and distant past, the very same thing was happening with Irish people who were working not very far, just across the water in England. Some of those people who worked on night shifts would come home to the house in the morning and sleep in the same bed as the person who went to work on the day shift. Yeah, that's called hot bedding. And actually that's happening in some of the meat plants in this country as well. Hard to believe, but it's going on. So this texter says nothing changes. By the way, um, you just had a query. A person who was invited to a 
has an invite to a christening and was wondering with the new advice would the christening still be going ahead well can I point out christenings happen in churches not in houses and hotels it's the party that happens in the house of the hotel and not necessarily the sacrament of baptism that's going on in a church and it's important to point that out because churches are still allowed to have a gathering of 50 people while they're all uh, social distancing so thank you for that Patricia I cannot understand says this uh, text how buses and classrooms will be safe for secondary school and primary school children yet we can't have gatherings that are more than six people in a house weddings and restaurants can have 50 people perfect for them Uh, does the virus bypass these groups as opposed to GAA groups who meet outside not making any sense to this uh, listener Uh, Kay says Patricia I agree with some people who have been contacting your radio programme today saying it's not what happens on the pitch or at, at the matches it's what happens afterwards many of the teams and the supporters will go into uh, pubs and therein lies uh, the problem. Tricia, bring back Simon Harris and Leo. People are not listening to the other two. There's so many people actually saying that uh, um, uh, as well. And that's another question in on addiction services and uh, what's going to happen with addiction services. And then some of your WhatsApps in. Now this is something we'll get try and get clarification on as well. Will we now need a letter from our employer again when they're saying to people to please anyone who can work from home, work from at home, should should do so? I don't think so. But again, I'll get that checked. I, I will get that checked. I actually kept the original letter that I had as it in the car. But if you think about it, they're not saying that only essential People doing essential jobs can go to work. They're just saying that anyone who can work from home should do so. So my interpretation on that is you don't need a letter. But again, that's another one that does need a clarification. Hi, uh, Patricia. Simon Harris did a pretty good job in fairness, but he ruined it all when he legged it away as fast as he could to what Dan feels is a handy number where he is now. He dumped everything into the lap of Stephen Donnelly, who is inexperienced and full of waffle. Simon Harris preached to us about being loyal to Ireland and support each other. But I feel the first chance he got, he bailed. Uh, it's typical of a, a politician. Never trust him. No, I don't know. Was it was it Simon Harris's decision? to leave the Department of Health. I never quite heard that or not. He's not in the position where he can decide which portfolio he gets, uh, Dan. But I think a lot of people will agree with you when they feel that Simon Harris as Minister for Health was doing a very good uh, job. Patricia, it's time that the source of transmission and the number of infected cases in specific areas is disclosed and published on a daily basis. If cases are present in your own vicinity, everyone will be able to take extra care when out and about. You are not the first to suggest that and you're not the last. And I guarantee you, if I opened and did some the phone lines and did a poll saying, would you like to know how many cases was in, say, your town or your electoral area even Every day, I guarantee you, we would get 99% of people. There would be, if there was even 1%, would disagree. I think people like to know that information. Would 
I mean, the most, the best I can do when I'm getting information is looking at Cork City and County, which is a huge, huge county. And I go back again to the figures that I found yesterday, that I called out yesterday, that I got sourced them on, on Monday. Looking back at the 14 days up to Sunday night, there have been 28 cases reported across Cork City and County. So that's at about two a day. There was none reported in the figures for Monday. And then out of the 190 that was reported uh, yesterday, a listener was able to tell me this morning only one of those cases came from Cork. So we have been doing very well, have been doing very well, but people would like to know if they live in Bantry or Douglas or Glanmire or if they're in Mallow or in Formoy and there was cases, I think people would like to know how many cases were there and then the idea is you would know then there's cases in your area, you need to be pay, you know, even more close attention. I think a lot of people would agree with you. 1850 and says put Dublin into lockdown and let's see what life would be like then. The government do not have a clue. Christine Temple Glanton says we've got used to so many sickening political buzzwords. The latest one around COVID being we're on a roadmap. We're six months into COVID now and the government don't seem to have any plan yet for a way forward. Just making it up on a weekly basis and leaving people in total limbo feels Christie. One would think with all the advisors that they have at their disposal that they will be giving us some certainty at this stage. Up to yesterday I had the feeling we did not have a government at all. They seem to have gone AWOL and then they come out according to Christie with a lot of gobbledygook was not impressed at all. That is from Christian Temple Glantine. Anthony says the youngsters don't care. I saw 30 of them yesterday but it starts with the parents. The parents need to be raised awareness with the young people. 1850-333-103. Martina says 200 people in a field at a GAA match. Then every match I'm going to, I see everybody social distancing, going back to their cars. And I don't know what games that the government are going, the government is going on about any of the ones I went to. Everybody adhered to exactly what we were asked to do. And everybody went home uh, afterwards. And Joan in McCroom wonders about over 70s that collect grandchildren from school. What happens with regards to them? Many parents will be relying on them when schools reopen. Well, the advice on the collecting of anyone, including children from school, the advice is that if you are travelling in a car, With somebody not from your household, you are asked to wear a mask. So I take it if you're picking up your grandchildren from school, unless you're living in the house with them, you'll need to have a mask on and you'll have to ask your grandchildren to pop a mask on too. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Now we've got a postponement on a drive-in bingo. Uh, They say due to the latest COVID-19 restrictions, the drive-in bingo at the car park of St Mary's GAA Club grounds in Enniskeen for this Friday. That has been postponed. I don't know, I'm just quickly looking down. I don't think I have any other postponement on 
bingos at the moment. I know the Britain GAA, their rescheduled golf classic, that's happening this Friday, 21st of August. Contact the members of Kilbritton GAA if you'd like to organise a team and to get tea times. And Kildallery Community Development, they've got their next lotto draw tomorrow, Thursday, four in the afternoon in Kildallery Community Office. And tickets are on sale locally as we speak. Or today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. I've just spotted a gorgeous text in from Kilbritton in Kilworth. This is following on from Connor, who was joining us from the foot of the Cumbers, who's climbing around Ireland, going around all of the uh, mountains. Uh, Colette says, uh, listening to that uplifting uh, talk uh, from the climber, uh, Colm, my friend who had been looking for love for a long time, is very well travelled. She stayed in Ireland on a staycation and she's met her new soul mate in Ireland. She got lost and asked him for directions one day and they just got chatting. Then she happened to meet him a few days later in a bar. He happened to be the manager there. They are now happily going out together. She wouldn't have met him in Santorini, that's for sure. And that's where her planned holiday was meant to be. She's now hooked on Galway uh, and this guy. I'm planning to move there soon. So there you go. You can find love as well as a good holiday in Ireland. Thank you for that, uh, Colette. Now, we've been featuring the devastating floods that have hit parts of West Cork over the last week. And June from Drimalik has contacted the programme to share her story and what happened to her this week. Good afternoon to you, June. Good afternoon, Patricia. Now, how badly flooded was your house? Very badly flooded. All my kitchen, my bathroom, the bedroom, everything on the floor was destroyed. I'm just devastated because I only had done it up two years ago and bit by bit. And then I was flooded out 11 years ago when I had to be out of my house for seven weeks. Every bit of the house is flooded. So, you know, I'm, I'm heartbroken at the moment and I've got no insurance in my house. And I woke last um, Thursday morning, the early hours of Thursday morning, to go out to the toilet. And as I stepped into my kitchen to go to my bathroom, I couldn't go because I have to use a crutch around the house and to walk. And I couldn't even go into the toilet. The water was so high up. So then I... I to ring my daughter and she came on in her, when Wellington's on her and it was halfway up, tried to keep the water out, tried to do everything to brush the water out, but it was no, but it just kept coming in and coming in and coming in. So I don't know what to do because I have no insurance or anything. At and you could, you, the reason, yeah, the reason you, it's not that you don't want to have house insurance, it's because of the flooding 11 yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah, they wouldn't take me on. So, and, you, and you, 11 years ago when the house was flooded, how long did you, did you say you were out of your house for? Seven weeks. Oh, seven weeks, okay. And then you got back in and and now you say it's it's completely destroyed again? It's completely destroyed again, yeah. Uh, I'm not going out this time. I'm not leaving my home. I could, just couldn't do it. I mean, all I'm living on is my pension, you know, and I, I'm disabled. So do you know what I mean? And how are you managing to live in, is the, kitchen, is the kitchen functioning? Well, everything is taken off the floors by the council. No, they took up, ripped up everything up. Okay. Because I got on to Christopher O'Sullivan in the morning and um, on the Saturday morning. I got flooded twice, actually. I got flooded on the Thursday morning and the Saturday morning. Ah, oh, you were one of the ones that got caught the second time. Yeah. 
and, and is it your own house or is it a council house? It's my own house. It's your, yeah. it's your own house. Okay, I do know that there is social welfare uh, supports being made available. The Social Protection Minister, Heather Humphreys, it's this humanitarian assistance scheme that's been activated. Has anybody passed on the details of that to you? Yes, they have actually. Okay. Get so many things now for that. Like I have to get this, that, and the other. You know. Oh, I know, I know. Listen, they'll make sure all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. But yeah. at least there's a fund there that would yeah. be able to replace uh, what's needed in your this house. Is what I'm worried about again that it's going to come back again. I know. You know. I know tonight now again. You know, even though the council, the council have promised now that they're going to widen the river. Or do something to it, you see, because my pipe are pipe in that direction. And when the flood comes up so high, it drives all the water back into my yard. And are there other houses around you that get flooded? No, because there's no houses around me. Only okay. my daughter's and hers is up higher than mine. You're in a, r- a new house. You're in a rural area. Yeah, you're in a rural, a rural area. You're on the... Yeah, she's beside me, well, a bit away from me, right? but it doesn't touch her. And there's no other house in near me because the other houses are up by the main road. And the councillor's saying they'll widen the river, but Joan, they won't have it done before tonight. No. No. Would you go to your daughter's house to, at least for tonight? Well, I'll see. I'd prefer to be here at all because I don't want to go more. I know. It's, you know. And, and are you living on your own? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, but the worst part of it was having it all done up bit by bit. I done the kitchen, the bathroom, the bedroom, everything done bit by bit. And to see it all lying around the floor the other morning, everything inside the kitchen rolling around in the water. So does everything in the kitchen need to be replaced? Yeah. The bathroom? Yep. Yeah. Everything, all the stuff, the council took out all the coverage yesterday, and there was our Monday, and there was water running out of them. And how are you managing to live in the house like with it like that, June? Well, I'm managing because at least the sitting room, we didn't come in there this time. But are you able to cook in the kitchen? Well, I am. I've all told it on, but I'm just worried I'd slip in there or anything, you know, because the floor is very sticky and slippery now, you see. So I have towels down there. That's shocking. It's shocking. But listen, make sure you apply under that humanitarian uh, assistance uh, scheme. And and actually, I've just spotted we're going to have met Aaron uh, joining us now and, and we'll just see what is the update for uh, tonight. But listen, look after yourself, uh, June, and we, we might check in with you tomorrow. But uh, really consider maybe going to your, your daughter's house, even if just for tonight. Yeah, thanks very much, Patricia. Look after yourself. You know, let people know how, you know, what we're suffering with this weather. I know. You know, when you're on your own. I know. It is tough. It is tough. All right, Joan, God bless. Take care. Bye-bye. That is uh, Joan in uh, Drimmer League. House flooded twice uh, in the last week. 1850-333-103. And of course, as we know, Met Aaron, a warning of dangerous conditions in parts of the country. A storm Ellen approaches. Uh, Jerry Murphy from Met Aaron joins me. Uh, good afternoon to you, Jerry. Good afternoon, Patricia. How bad is it going to get for us here in Cork? Um, it's actually going to get very bad uh, potentially very bad in Cork um, in the sense that this depression is moving up and it's spinning quite rapidly and it's going to generate very strong winds. Now, the most up-to-date information is that Cork is going to get the 
the biggest hit from it, which means then that we have issued a red-level uh, wind warning for the period between 9pm tonight and midnight. And in that period, then, the winds will be extremely strong with uh, damaging gusts um, well over 120, possibly, kilometres per hour in places. And then coupled with that, there'll be heavy rain as well. So um, it's really potentially quite a quite a very stormy night, and particularly given the fact that we're still really in uh, meteorologically, we're still in the summer. The trees are still in full bloom, um, which means that that uh, trees that would be would be more susceptible to to falling in this in at this time of year than they would than they would perhaps in the winter, and also along the coast, then uh, very strong winds too. So um, it's just a, a a summer storm, but it's a it's it's a, an offshoot depression which is spinning very rapidly and which is going to generate very very strong winds. Now it must be said that if the, that the it all depends on the exact track of the storm, but currently the track is such that Cork will get the heaviest hit from the storm. And nine p.m. tonight until midnight, you reckon? If well, that's where the red warning is in operation. Now, okay. the, the warning continues overnight in the orange. But really, it's the peak of those winds, so it, which means it's going to be a windy night in general. But the peak is certainly during that period of the early night, about 9pm to midnight. You don't often issue a status red warning? No, very rarely. Um, status reds are when, when the winds are going to be very strong. So this is very, very strong. And it, and it, But it is for a short period of time, and it is specifically for Cork. Um, also, to be honest with you, the, 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 again, it depends on the exact track. Um, Cork at present, it, 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 there's a threat also possibly for the very east of Waterford, but but it should stay in the orange. But but Cork certainly is going to get a very windy weather uh, this evening and tonight. And then it'll... Tomorrow, what's tomorrow looking like then? Well, tomorrow is basically going to continue. It's, overall, it's going to continue windy over the coming days, really. Oh, well, over over tomorrow as well. Uh, but not the winds will not be a significant feature. It's really what we have then is just bands of rain and showers. And you were speaking there, uh, I think, previously to, to to someone in relation to, to flooding. Yeah. Flooding, will, flooding will still be an issue over the next couple of days because there's a very band of heavy rain pushing up with this. And then there's further heavy rain or showers pushing up over the next between Thursday and Friday as well. So certainly, um, as well as the strong winds, which will last for a short period, but will be quite damaging, then uh, there is, um, there'll be further spells of heavy rain both tonight and over the next couple of days. OK, but batten down the hatches certainly for this evening as was removed garden furniture. Um, yes, they, that's, yes, in terms of the rainfall, there's another very spell of heavy rain tomorrow night into Friday. Um, and the winds, are the, the winds are the big issue for tonight, but given the fact that water tables are high, heavy rain will still be a feature and then there'll be further heavy rain later tomorrow and into Friday where the rainfall will be the biggest issue then but for tonight certainly it's the winds Any sign of summer returning? Uh, not at the moment oh, <laughs> Alright uh, Jerry, you've got a, a busy a couple of hours uh, and a few days ahead of you for sure Listen, we appreciate you taking time out to talk to us today you're welcome. Thank Good morning to Jerry Murphy there from uh, Met Aaron, and that's uh, that's an update from Met Aaron. A status red wind warning for us here in uh, Cork from nine p.m. until midnight tonight. Look after yourselves, folks. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three, and just some good news for the people who've been contact. Well, not some good. Well, it is a little bit of good news. The people are contacting us from the AA meetings. Uh, the uh, AA meetings are still going ahead 
but they're going to be limited to six people per meeting. So, it, But at least the meetings will be going ahead. I don't know how many of the meetings locally are normally bigger than that, but we've just been told that they are still to go ahead, but they will be limited to six uh, people. And there's a fuel spill in Mitchellstown affecting the Ballylanders Road. That's the R513 and the N73 Ring Road. That's a fuel spill in Mitchellstown. And Peter Dowdle, the Irish gardener, uh, joining us. Uh, good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. We've just had met Aaron on the programme, who've <laughs> literally just issued a status red wind warning just for us here in Cork. Uh, we're going to bear the brunt of the storm. And Jerry Murphy, the meteorologist, was making the point because we're in summer season, the trees are in full bloom. Yeah. I'm, do you know where I am at the moment as we speak, Patricia? Is I'm in uh, Nangla Neeson Nursery up in Ahara, or up in, uh, in your ovens in Cork. And we were just having the same conversation with Ronan Nangle here that a storm in the winter here isn't isn't really that much to worry about because the the, the wind will go through the trees because they're bare. But at the moment, a storm at this time of the year, the trees are in full leaf. There's huge wind resistance. They are at risk. So yeah, every tree, all trees, yeah, at this time of the year are at risk from storm damage. Unfortunately, the only thing is at this stage. There's very little we can do about it. Yeah. Just hope for the best. And just in the gardens then, get the garden furniture in, take a look at pots, move them. Correct. Uh, yeah. Parasols, any parasols you might be out of, trampolines or, or anything like that, uh, are unsecured. Secure them as best you can. Remove anything that, that could be blown around in a storm because um, uh, obviously it can be. When I heard, uh, I think it was on your news programme earlier, that uh, the, the emergency services were saying to have your postcode handy in case necessary. I say, okay, they're, they're taking it seriously. So, yeah, we need to take it seriously. And any loose pots, loose window boxes, parasols, garden furniture, as you said, get it, get it, get it undercover, get it into the shed or into the house. Yeah, I mean, because for the rest of the country, I think it's an orange weather warning. It's, it literally is just for Cork. But uh, Jerry Murphy was saying that like, they don't often issue status red wind warnings for a particular county, but it's the way the storm is tracking. Now, we could be lucky and it could shift between now and nine o'clock but if it it's stays so calm, uh, yeah. it's so calm I don't think it yeah. orders well it yeah order it doesn't well, yeah. it's literally just heading our way and we're going to bear the brunt so everybody please stay safe okay let's go to gardening questions because there's a lot of them in already could you ask Peter can I plant seeds now for a wildflower lawn that's from Anne Pretty much, yeah. September is, 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 okay, your best month to plant are March, April, and then failing that, it's September, October. So yes, you can, uh, during the month of September, this kind of weather, obviously not the exception of today and tomorrow with the storm, but this kind of uh, warm, damp weather is ideal for seed germination. So yes, you can. Wildflower seeds during September, October is fine. And somebody's just sent me in a great picture, says, as a result of the lockdown, proven, proving anything can be used to your advantage. And they've sent in a gorgeous plate full of potatoes out of the earth because they're covered in mud and they're gorgeous fine sized new potatoes It's lots of people took up gardening during lockdown it's absolutely without question the possibly the only but I think certainly the, the biggest positive to come out of this whole lockdown and pandemic situation is our 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 newfound appreciation for not just our own gardens, but for the green environment and the, the landscape in general. Yeah, lots of people have taken up gardening, can't go on holidays, and, they, and they're finding that actually they love it. And, you know, even when it was within the two kilometres that we were, we, had, we, were, we were kept, we just, myself included, I include myself here totally, you begin to have a deeper appreciation of your immediate surrounding area and the beauty that's there. And, As I say, it's possibly the only, but certainly one of the big positives to come out of the COVID-19 crisis is our, our newfound love of and respect for the garden. 
Okay, this, I, and I know you love this one. Con in Bandon says, we grew apple trees from the pips of apples. Isn't that brilliant? Yeah, um, yeah. I, and I don't know, he said, I don't know the names of the apple. One was a green apple and one was a red apple. The trees have grown. They're about six feet high. It was three years ago, but they've never produced any fruit. Will they ever? They're fine looking trees though, says Con yeah, in yeah, Bandon. That's, well, that's, that's half of all that matters. He, he hasn't said whether they've flowered yet or not, so I don't know if they've flowered yet or not. The, the, they're they're not going to come true to type. So in other words, if you planted, let's say, a pip from a Granny Smith, it's not going to produce a Granny Smith apple. It could be a crab apple. It could be, it's just, it's, it's an apple seed. So when you're, when you're growing things like a, a particular cultivar like Pink Lady or Granny Smith or any of these, they're grown by grafting, which means you graft something onto the rootstock. The rootstock is grown by seed. I'm not going to go too far into it because it gets quite technical, but the rootstock is grown by seed, uh, normally a crabapple rootstock, and then you graft the piece of the, the variety that you want onto it. So you're using the root system of the crab. So the seed that comes out, it, it could be anything. You could get a, an edible apple, you could, but it's more likely to be a crabapple. But I would say it will produce something at some point, yeah. Okay, hang in there. Mary says, is there anything you can suggest to stop caterpillars from eating my dahlias? Uh, caterpillars, are in one way they're easy because they're, they're, they're big and they're slow. So you can, if you go out and remove them by hand, uh, now that may not appeal to everybody and I suspect it doesn't appeal to you. No, not at all. Not at all. If you go out and remove them by hand, uh, that's the easiest, quickest, most harmless way of doing it and you'll still have butterflies, right? So we don't want to try... We no, absolutely. I love the butterflies. Okay. Um, so... I, or even go out with a secateurs and prune off the, most, the heaviest leaves or stems and just you know move them somewhere else and let them feed away somewhere else and the, the plant will be fine. Failing that, uh, use a garlic wash, which we've spoken about many times in your programme, Trish, which is where you pulp some garlic. Uh, Google it. Google how to make a garlic wash. You'll see lots of different recipes and suggestions. And basically what you're doing is you're applying this garlic rinse onto the plant, which is absorbed by the plant. It doesn't harm the plant, obviously, and doesn't harm the insects, but it makes them very unpalatable to any insect. Uh, not always so brilliant against slugs, but very good for things like caterpillars, aphids, anything like that. So I would try that. First of all, try and physically remove them. If, if you don't have the stomach for it, try a garlic wash uh, and see how that goes. Hi, question for Peter, please. I am going to cut back my Escalonia hedge now. How can I plant those slips to take root as I need to build up the base of the hedge as it's too bare? Thank you. Okay, well, take cuttings of it now, certainly, right? So what what you're doing when you're taking a cutting, you're taking about four to six inches of this year's growth. So the green growth towards the the extremities of of each stem, about four to six inches. The base of a cutting should be a, a node. Now, a node is quite simply where the leaf meets the stem. That's where you'll find the auxins, which are the, the, um, the hormones responsible for creating roots. So take the cutting at a node, about four inches. Remove all but one or two pairs of leaves at the top of the cutting. If, if you're, you remove the terminal bud as well, which is that soft leaf bud at the very tip of the, the, each stem, remove that, leave one or two p- pairs of leaves on the cutting. Uh, and so then you've quite a bit of maybe three inches of bare, bare cutting uh, then a node into a bit of rooting powder put that into a bit of compost or, or good soil it'll probably root away outside if you have a greenhouse or a tunnel move them inside keep them damp but not overly wet probably as I say root away outside and you'd expect to see roots at this time of the year in four to six weeks uh, and they'll be ready for planting out then next year so that's how you take the cuttings and you can take them from, from pruning certainly but you're not to cut your hedge back until September just under the Wildlife Act because of birds nesting uh, uh, and obviously wildlife protection. I I think from people who know a lot more than me that most birds have have fled the nest by now. However, it is still illegal under the Wildlife Act to prune your hedge 
uh, until September. Okay, stay with hedges because Mary in Cantork has a red robin hedge. Part of it is getting very thin. Now, she says it is over 10 years old. It's always been a beautiful hedge, apart from that one section. It is under a red maple tree. Doesn't know if that's causes effect or not, but any solutions to the problem, please? I, I, I know I, I don't. I would say it most likely is caused by that red maple tree. If, if she had said it was something that has happened suddenly or just now or whatever, then it might be there might be an infection or it might be something. But the fact that it's always been a bit sparse there and the rest of the hedge is doing fine and it's in a shaded area close to the tree which is competing for nutrients and water, that's that's your reason, I'm afraid. All all you can really do is 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 prune it back a bit harder to encourage it to bush out that bit more. Uh, and just just maybe fertilize it a bit, feed it a bit with with a good organic plant food, something like nature safe and Atlantic seaweed liquid, or even give it a mulch with your own homemade compost or shop bought compost, just to try and give it that bit of extra TLC to the rest of the hedge. But no, you're 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 fighting against the the environment and the conditions. Um, so it's never really going to be as good. But as I say, a bit of extra TLC and you might get it a bit better. OK, we always kind of get annual questions that come up every year. It's usually, we always get the ones about daffodils. Uh, usually in the in January, people want to apply daffodils and, and, it, and it's too late. Uh, Margaret in Cantork wants to know, uh, that she says she's got a good crop of eating and cooking apples this year. Well done, Margaret. Is there any way Peter can advise, how can you preserve them for eating later in the year? Well, they store quite easily um, the trick with apples is, and if you if everybody knows when I say this, if you if you have a fruit bowl on your kitchen table, uh, and if one apple rots, then within 24 hours they're all rotten, and it's the same with most fruits. So the trick with apples is that you store them where they're not touching. So if you go back in days of old, you you actually had apple houses where there were the you know in the the big house would have an apple house below the orchard where they they, they I've seen them and they'd, you'd have little they look like shells if you like kind of shells that you see in your hot press. But in each of the little bits of wood, there's a hole. So you, you, you're not big enough to hold the apple, but big enough to stop the apple from moving, if you know what I mean. So the apples were, were stored on these shelves and kept the hole, stopped them from moving and stopped them from rolling or touching each other. Okay? Yeah. So that's a, if you do it that way and you store them somewhere cool uh, and dry, they'll store for months. So that's the best way to do it. Now, obviously, I'm taking it the caller doesn't have an apple house down the bottom yeah. of her garden, right? So uh, what you can do is if you were to wrap them in newspaper or something like that, to, just to stop them physically touching each other, that's one way of, of helping to store them. Another way, you know, I haven't tried this and I'm not going to recommend it, but it's possible, maybe, is if you store them in a bucket of sand, again, so they're not touching each other. Now, let me let me reiterate, I haven't tried that. I was just going to mention that one because that is normally a suggestion that comes in every year from people who have access to a lot of sand down by the sea. Yes. And it's a great way to preserve things like buried holly and that to keep it fresh without it growing. I've never tried it with um, with apples, but possibly that's that's worth looking at. Uh, or even just in big boxes with, as I say, newspaper or straw or something between the apples. But if you get it right, uh, they will store for a long period of time. Just don't have them touching each other. Yeah. Hi, yeah. could Peter suggestion please? How can I kill the weed horse's tail? <laughs> Next question, please. Not a chance. Uh, this is a, this is I did a, a big article on this for the Irish Examiner recently, and it, it all stemmed from a post I put up on Facebook where somebody was asking me this question. So this horse's tail or mare's tail, equisetum, to give it its correct name, is a plant. To give you an idea, Trish, it's a plant which has been around since the time of the dinosaurs. Okay, wow. so <laughs> to think really that we're going to be eradicated is futile. Um, it has many many benefits 
as a plant in terms of its rich in silica, which is, a, a, I believe, a valuable hair product, which you'll understand I don't have knowledge of, right? Um, <laughs> so it, it's used for many, many things. Root out the Examiner article that I wrote. It's online, or you'll find it on my own page, Irish Gardener, on Facebook. And there's loads of different suggestions of how you can use the plant. There are suggestions on my Facebook thread as to ways to deal with it, some using weed killer, others not. There, there's lots of actually good... Um, uh, holistic suggestions of how to deal with it and I imagine a lot of them are good but there is no miracle cure that you put this out and it's going to get rid of it, it it's been here since the dinosaurs I think we should celebrate it for that it'll, and it'll be here long after us then as well Mary says could Peter please uh, does he know anywhere where I could get seed potatoes to set now for Christmas the short answer to that is no I don't um, I suspect a lot of garden centres uh, and perhaps Band and Co-op will have them uh, coming in quite soon. Uh, I'd say just ask in your local garden centre and, and hopefully you, you should get them or they should be able to get them for you. Okay, a listener says, there. Uh, my father used to make a pit for apples in the ground, lined it with straw, then you put straw on top, then the apples, more straw, and then hearts, and it, it was one way of preserving the apples. There you go, it's the same logic, yeah, but what I was saying, even a big box. And, just and of course it would stay between. cool inside in the earth as well. Yeah. In, in, underneath. Balladine, listener, can I move Heather to another part of the garden now? Not at this time of the year, definitely not. If you lift it out of the ground at this time of the year, it's just going to die, there's no question. If you can wait, do sometime between November and January. Um, but even then, particularly if it's established, if it's more than three or four years in its position, it's unlikely to move successfully, I'm afraid. Jenny and Donna have two apple trees, five years old. They fruit. We've, I've had fruit every year, but no fruit this year. Lots of leaves. What went wrong? I wondered, number one, did she prune it last year? If so, then that could be the problem. Could have been pruned at the wrong time of the year or might have been pruned a bit too hard, which, which will often lead to a, a gap here in fruiting, if you like, until more spurs are produced. If you didn't, then I suspect a good, uh, a good feed with something like sulfate of potash uh, early in the year, kind of around time of blossom, say March, April time, uh, a good feed with sulfate of potash or a good organic tomato food should produce flower and then fruit production. Okay, and another t- final one in. Hi, uh, Peter, my hydrangea hasn't flowered this year. Hydrangeas, why? Again, a bit similar to the last one on the apples not fruiting. It, it could be if it was pruned too hard uh, last year. If it wasn't pruned last year and it's still just not flowering, it could be to do with, with uh, it could be a, a, a treatment with sulfate of potash or a good tomato food will help, certainly. Um, uh, or then it could also be that it's just got tired and I would suggest a good hard pruning of old older woody growth during this winter coming. It's a difficult one and I've seen it, but it's a difficult one to answer to be specific on. Uh, and I've seen it in a few hydrangeas. In fact, just this morning in the garden I was looking at it, I thought, and there was no reason for it as such. Um, and I'm wondering, and I know this is a bit of a cop-out of an answer, but I'm wondering if it's something to do with the, the, the weather this year, that it hasn't been sunny enough at the right time or wet enough at the right time. It's possible. But I would suggest, regardless, if it was pruned last year, Leave it, it could just be uh, taking a year off. If it hasn't been pruned for several years, give it a prune. That's what it is. All right, listen, you look after yourself, particularly with the storm tonight, uh, Peter. And we'll chat next week. Thanks for that. That is uh, Peter Dowdell, the Irish gardener. And a lovely text in from Germany, actually, one of our listeners overseas, saying, My heart goes out to that poor lady, June, who was talking about the flooding in her house. I hope she gets the help that she needs and that everybody stays safe uh, in the uh, storm. I hope it all works out for her. And somebody else, wanted me to find out was the ploughing going ahead it is going ahead the ploughing is going ahead in September that is behind closed doors 
only the people actually doing the ploughing will be allowed to attend. There will be no uh, spectators. We got that checked out earlier. Okay, that's where I've got to leave you for today. Please look after yourselves tonight with that storm coming and uh, bear in mind that uh, the Met Aaron have issued a status red rain warning for all of us here in Cork from nine o'clock tonight until midnight. So please stay safe. Thanks to John Paul and to Sadie for taking your calls. We're back with you tomorrow morning at 10. Until then, uh, I'm Patricia Messenger. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.